Some time back, Gartner proclaimed the data center is dead. Gartner was clear that the days of the traditional enterprise-owned data center serving as the sole location to source IT services were waning. Now, according to Statista, however, in 2021, the U.S. had over 2,670 data centers, while China, which was ranked number four, had about 416 data centers. Now, should companies still own their data centers, co-located or on their own private property? Large banks, financial institutions with deep pockets will argue yes, and they can afford it. And part of this can be attributed to the risk posture their industries need to adopt. For other industries, it's as much an economic as it is an operational issue. With us today on this podcast for future CIO is Haji Munshi, Group CEO of Cloud Kinetics. Haji, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan. Great to be here. Okay, now report linker said COVID-19 has been a catalyst for data center build out in Asia. It didn't differentiate between what was individual or privately owned as opposed to uh, service providers that operate data center services. So is Gartner's proclamation of the death of the data center an exaggeration? Yeah, I think, you know, we have to define what does the data center market look like to be able to answer that question correctly. So as you rightly mentioned, there are data centers that are owned by a company for their own usage. And then there are third party data center providers which offer that type of service for enterprises. And lastly, there are data centers that only cater to large service providers or large OTT players, which are typically called hyperscale data centers. And there's no question that there is a substantial buildup of data center capacity in the hyperscale space, as well as in the third-party data center space. But there is a substantial reduction uh, over the last several years, actually, of companies having their own data centers, operating their own data centers. And in many cases, those data centers that companies operate may be a floor or of a part of floor that may be in their building itself. And there's no question that that is on a downward trajectory right now, because as you started off with your introduction, the overhead associated with the company managing and owning their own data center and ensuring that it remains secure and resilient during these times of COVID is actually a, a critical determinant of whether they choose to go to third-party data center providers who provide co-location services, or they choose to make the decision to move to public cloud operators like AWS, Google Cloud, or Microsoft. Gardner did say that workload placement is moving to the cloud. This is creating a baseline for infrastructure strategies based on workloads as opposed to the physical data center. How should the CIO and infrastructure and operations heads rethink their infrastructure strategies to accommodate this shift? I think it's critically important to take a step back for a CIO and understand their entire IT landscape. All of their applications and match that with what their strategy needs to be and align that to where the priority of the business is heading. Typically, what we find in the work that we do at Cloud Kinetic, we engage with companies, with CIOs, to be able to map out all of their applications. A typical large enterprise may end up having somewhere between 200 to 400 different applications. And going through the process with the CIO to identify which applications need to get shut down or to move to sunset, which applications need to be modernized and perhaps move fully to cloud, and which applications do you continue to optimize and maybe rehost either on a third-party data center or on the cloud is typically the approach that I would recommend for CIOs. So don't look at it workload by workload, but take a step back and think about the overall IT assets that you have, all of your application assets that you have, and then put that in the context of where do you want to be three to five years and that transformation journey be it 
fully cloud or hybrid cloud where some remains on-prem while others is on the cloud for a large enterprise is a three to five year journey. And so taking that step back and identifying what needs to move where and then making those decisions in a very deliberate and thoughtful way through a, some type of a migration plan is what I would suggest is the best way to go about it. We've seen the last couple of years emerging new technologies, artificial intelligence, automation, edge computing. The list seems to never end. What is the right mindset for CIOs and leadership to take towards developing a strategy that, as you say, will provide the resilience or future proofing that they want to achieve as far as their data center needs are concerned? One of the drivers for CIOs to consider moving to public cloud has invariably always been that the total cost of ownership will go down. And that's no question a very important thing for the CIO plus the CFO. But it's also very important to recognize that cloud enables these new technologies that you referenced, the automation, the AI, the ability to be able to use machine learning, to be able to you know introduce new and new services very quickly, to become more agile, to become more dynamic dynamic to be able to meet the business needs that may be coming up within that particular enterprise. And so as we think about cloud players, I, I don't know if most folks would know that you know AWS, for example, has 165 different products on their AWS cloud. Google has over 100 products on their platform offering. And so when we think about future-proofing and resilience, actually taking a step back and saying, which part of my IT roadmap will entail this adoption of these new technologies? How can I bring them to market quickly? And how do I make them relevant to my business stakeholders, that's a big part of the planning of that cloud transformation is really taking these new emerging technologies into account and then using it by taking what's available from each of the cloud players and the best that's available from those cloud players. In many instances, what we find is that there are already well-defined solutions in each of the different industry segments. Like in the FSI segment, there may be a need for fraud detection using machine learning. There may be a need to improve your credit calculations to reduce your non-performing loans. Things of that nature have already been productized to some extent on cloud platforms and being able to then think about what that roadmap looks like and knowing what to pick and choose from your cloud players is something that I would highly recommend for CIOs to consider. Speaking as highly recommend, you're a consulting business. What are the most common observations that you could share with us with regards to the customers that you engage in Asia? I think it's this transformation that comes by exiting a data center or to doing a partial migration out of a data center is a long journey. If anybody says that they can get it done within three months, six months, one year, or even two years, I think they're kidding themselves. I think the most common observation is that we have to be on this mindset of it's a roadmap. It could take three to five years. Start with the easy things that can migrate quickly, show the proof points, show the value, show the cost improvements, show the agility, and then more and more people within the enterprise will get on board. There's a lot around education, there's a lot about enabling teams. There's a lot about making people feel comfortable with these new eras of technology. And so not underestimating the people part. We all know about the importance of people and process in driving successful change within an organization. That people part of that migration out of the data center into cloud is a critical determinant for success. It does take a fair amount of time, but it's one that yields great results over that period of time. Walk me through this, and there are a couple of concerns that I that have been raised in some of our roundtable discussions with regards to the approach that many organizations today themselves are taking with regards to migrating to the cloud. One is vendor locked in, right? So we've started to see organizations take the approach of going multi-cloud vendor in order to avoid the so-called vendor lock-in. Is this concern real, this vendor lock-in in the cloud? 
I think that's a great question. What we've found in generally large enterprises across Southeast Asia is that enterprises themselves choose to have multiple cloud providers. And in many cases, because they have identified a specific set of offerings that the cloud provider has that is stronger for their particular enterprise. So they may choose one cloud provider for, for example, their data workloads. They may choose another cloud provider for their infrastructure workloads. They may choose third, potentially, cloud provider for their storage workloads. And so naturally designing, as they think about their transformation roadmap, designing this multi-cloud environment is something that comes up fairly often. And there's usually a dominant cloud provider that may have you know, the majority, over 50% of the IT workloads, but there's typically another one in place. And it's a natural part of how the selection of the services are done that, that leads to that outcome. As we go forward, I think more and more enterprises will go down the path of multi-cloud. And if you look at the major cloud players, all of them are also mindful that multi-cloud is the way for people to grow. In fact, it's hybrid multi-cloud, so there may still be stuff that resides on-prem, but this multi-cloud environment is what we're seeing more and more of as we've been thinking about the last 12 months and looking forward in the next 24. How should CIOs and CISOs address the issue of data security when you deal with a hybrid multi-cloud environment as one way to protect against vendor lock-in and, of course, as to ensure availability and resiliency throughout the life cycle of the organization? Different enterprises have different considerations. There are a fair number of requirements and needs that our clients have around data residency, which are determined through regulation. And as I started when we had the first question, what we're seeing is a rapid rise in data centers for hyperscale. And we're also seeing a continuing growth for third-party data centers in Southeast Asia. That third-party data center growth is because in many industries that are regulated, there is a need for that data to reside in a given geography, in a given country, in a given location. And so having that right mix of what should remain on-prem to be fully in alignment with the regulations of a given country, plus marrying that with what's the ability to have the right disaster recovery, the right the business continuity procedures and processes is actually a, a big part of the cloud transformation journey. We've seen a fair number of enterprises say that they may choose to move all of their production environments to the cloud, but then may have their BCP plans on-prem or vice versa. Depends on the need of that particular enterprise. But as far as it comes to cybersecurity and protection, our strong recommendation is that the the large cloud providers, whether it's Microsoft or, or Amazon or Google, they have a shared security model. It's one where they are responsible for a part of the security and then the enterprise is responsible for another part. The part that they do, and they've obviously got very dedicated seasoned teams that have been doing cybersecurity for many, many years. It constitutes thousands of people that are experts in cybersecurity. And so what we're finding increasingly, the fear of cybersecurity through cloud is diminishing. They're still concerned around that through CIOs, but it's increasingly diminishing because there are these expert teams that have been built up to ensure the cloud workloads remain highly secure. In the case of most of the cloud providers, they have encryption for all data that's addressed, all data that's in motion. And so having that assuredness that the data is going to remain protected is a key part of what the cloud providers do do. How will the CIO and maybe even HR address the issue of a lack of in-house skills, particularly with regards to managing all the different clouds uh, applications that they are running across, as you say, in this ecosystem or this pool of different cloud providers? 
That's a great question, Alan. The cloud talent pool in Southeast Asia and Asia Pacific is a very limited talent pool. It's very hard to find great talent in the region. Us as a cloud managed service provider are actively continuing to build the talent base here. What we're finding is when an enterprise looks to move from a single cloud to multi-cloud, at that time, the economics of actually having your cloud workloads, your cloud infrastructure, and to some extent, your cloud applications through a third party makes a lot of sense. And so what we're finding is that, you know, a combination of using cloud MSPs, such as Cloud Kinetics and others, actually help augment and to be able to support the technological needs that enterprises may have as they're thinking about their cloud deployments, as well as running their cloud environments once those workloads have been deployed in the cloud. What is your prognostication? Okay, I'm asking you to look through your crystal ball about the future state of data center build-outs and use in Asia this year and next year, perhaps. What we're seeing is hyperscale is going like this, right? It's growing exponentially because there is incredible consumption of cloud, incredible consumption of OTT content and so on. Also, third-party enterprise class co-location provider capacity is also going up. And the reason why that's going up is because when enterprises are thinking about hybrid cloud deployments, usually it comes in concert with, hey, I don't want to own my own data center. I don't want to manage that server room anymore. I want to free up that additional floor that I have because frankly, it's not something that's core part of my business. So when they make that decision that they want to move from their own in-house data center, then they have to make a choice. What do I put on public cloud, which is in hyperscale data centers? And what do I put onto third-party data centers, data center providers? How do we then determine what should sit on this third-party co-location provider and then what should on public cloud. That determination, that decision is actually quite a process. Going through the work of uh, doing the assessment of the uh, of the applications, doing the assessment of all the IT assets, what have reached their end of depreciation life cycle, what are the servers that have reached the end of their service life, that determination, it then helps inform what then moves to the third party data center and what moves to public cloud. And then of course, linking that to where does the company want to transform? What are the applications that they want to modernize? How do they want to use their data better, what do they want to use their data for, whether it's for new business applications, whether it's for new business models, whether it's to improve the internal runnings of the company. All of those things come together to help inform that decision. In all of this, at what point should an enterprise consider approaching an organization as they start to plan this migration towards this hybrid model cloud model that they're looking for? What we're finding is that we get involved at the very early stage when the CIO is thinking about their cloud transformation journey. So they're thinking about what should the cloud strategy be? You know, what does the, what does the assessment of the applications look like? How do we want to modernize those applications? How do we want to build you know, better data systems, modernize our data infrastructure? At that early stage is where we find that we are able to really guide and be able to effectively be the advisor of sorts for these enterprises as you think about their cloud transformation journey. Once that part is done, then it's about execution. How do we make sure that we can migrate? How do we do it without any downtime? How do we ensure that all, all of the systems that we set up are remain extremely resilient? How do we address any type of run issues in case there are um, faults or monitor or alerts or things of that nature? But starting at that front end of the process actually really helps the C-suite to be able to step back and to be able to determine what's the best thing for the business. And I say C-suite because in many cases, the CIO leads the conversation, 
but it has a lot of implication on the rest of the business. It helps improve the marketing function. It helps improve the chief, the operating function. It helps improve the finance function. And so the CIO being the champion, but then really helping improve the overall operations of the business. Haji, thank you for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you so much, Alan. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. That was Haji Munsi, Group CEO of Cloud Kinetics, on the topic of Second Life for in-house data centers. You are listening to Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for our free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now. Thank you.